0: Welcome to Inspirational Leadership, where I talk with CEOs who are walking the talk and creating positive cultures. I'm thrilled for today's guest. I'm going to be speaking with Sarah Saska, who is the CEO of Feminuity. Um, Welcome to the show. Wonderful to see you today, Sarah.
1: Oh, thank you for, for chatting today.
0: Um, so Sarah, let's right from the beginning. Um, I, we'd love to hear a little bit more around your career journey. So, what got you to where you are now as the CEO of Feminuity?
1: Um, well, um, I mean, I guess at a really high level, I was raised by feminist parents. So I think social justice and ad- advocacy work has sort of always been very much, you know, in the in the blood. Um, I spent a lot of years doing uh, work around women's rights and gender equality, and that evolved into work with queer communities and indigenous communities and kind of just kept going. Um, And I spent a lot of time in academia as well. Um, But in my PhD in particular, um, I started um, down the rabbit hole um, trying to understand why the field of innovation studies and why the field of technological studies from an academic perspective um, were considering themselves to be gender neutral or gender blind, um, and sort of why I wasn't seeing any conversation relating to social justice, um, you know, race, sexuality, gender, ability, all of the, you know the different ways of doing and being in the world. Why these conversations weren't talked about in the academic fields around innovation and technology? Given you know these things are for for people and humans in the world, um, so. Ultimately, my PhD research sort of looked at the importance and, I guess, the need for diversity, equity, and inclusion-based lenses or equity-based lenses as a whole um, in tech and innovation. And what we quickly realized, my co-founder and I about five years ago or so, is that there was just a huge gap in the industry too, right? So there was a gap in academia, but then there wasn't uh, much of a conversation around how to translate that into practice. Yeah. So uh, we launched Feminuity um, just over five years ago at Mars Discovery District. Um, and we ultimately, that's what we do. We work to embed diversity, equity, and inclusion into the core of our clients' businesses. And we work largely with folks in the sort of tech and innovation ecosystem. Um, and we have clients in about five or six countries. Wow.
0: Wow. It's so exciting to see that journey. And, and when you really notice that there was a gap in the, in the marketplace and took action on it, and what's that been like to be uh, to start a company? Because I'm assuming is this the first company that you started?
1: Yes. Yeah. Unless you count, you know, selling lemonade. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you started when early
1: when I was a kid. But <laughs> yeah. I guess those are entrepreneurial on their own. But
0: absolutely.
1: Um, I think I think for me, um, there's kind of been two big, I guess, chunky pieces uh, that I think are a bit unique around, I guess, m- my own journey. Um, The one is very much coming out of such an academic centric space um, where, you know, I, you know, the ivory tower academia and so forth. Like I just wasn't, I wasn't highly encouraged in my PhD program to, you know, figure out how to translate the research into practice and go start a business. Right. And that's not because I wasn't surrounded by great humans. It's just, it's largely because, you know, their, their own lived experiences were very much in academia and they didn't. It just didn't know how to support me. Um, so I think that was its own sort of steep and wonderful learning curve. Yeah. Um, learning how to translate really, really complex research ideas and data and all of these things into simple, snackable, marketable, uh, easy ways, uh, easy things for people to understand. Yeah. So I think that that at a really high level was was fascinating. Also, like, how do you translate you know, conceptual, uh, theoretical ideas into something tangible that you can sell to people and actually earn a living and allow your staff and employees to pay their mortgage with, right? So um, that's that's been really interesting. Um, and I think the other side of it is that by virtue of, I guess, even what we're doing at the core of it, we're we're working to embed social justice into tech and innovation companies. And you know, there's a reason we still have so much systemic inequality in the world, and that's because this is really, really hard work. Yeah. So I think at a really high level, we sometimes forget that we're also doing something that's inherently wildly challenging, right? Because it sort of turns people upside down, <laughs> everything yeah. they they know and believe and understand, yeah. Um, so when we when we were talking about this five plus years ago, this is before conversations around bias and algorithms were a hot topic. And before we were talking about, you know, advancing women in tech and, you know, these conversations, they didn't have any momentum then. So it was also a moment where folks were looking at me like, what are you doing? I just don't understand. Uh, so I think those are two of the sort of big pieces that have really been, critical learning i guess
0: yeah i mean what, like such a great example of when you're truly innovating at that when you're the beginner like that when it hasn't happened yet literally people are like what are you talking about right what that feels like to be going against the going against the grain and pushing forward when you're, you're the one that's really that you're cat you're the catalyst for something that's really new out there that's um yeah, I could see how there'd be a lot of learning. And as you are talking about that, it really got me thinking about the, the, the first question I'd love to ask you is, you know, you are a leader and you're also uh, in, a, in a position where you get to be out there seeing a lot of leaders and seeing what's happening in organizations as well. From your perspective, what does it look like to be an inspirational leader?
1: Yeah, I guess so when I think of you know, all of the, like the different CEOs that we've worked with over the last... Half decade or so. Um, I guess I can start by telling you what I think is not.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Let's go there.
1: I I find we find too often that, you know, in, especially I think in in the the tech world that there's this sort of idea that we move fast, we break things that you know, we're always iterating and pivoting and there's just sort of all these buzzwords flying around. And innovation seems to be this sort of golden word that trumps anything relating to humans. Yeah. Um, and I think too often we'll work with, well, you know, we'll see really incredible leaders in the tech space that have these really fascinating ideas um, that do hold a ton of potential to advance the world in really interesting ways. Um, but what they're often not doing is sort of two things. One, they're not they're not thinking through what the shadow side of their innovation might be, right? So something like Uber, right? It, I mean, we, we all know sort of the utility and the ways that it's it supported a lot of folks in the world, but then we also know at the same time that Uber drivers are tenuously employed, right? That it's causing its own sort of different, uh, like a whole host of problems within sort of the gig economy. Yeah. Um, not to mention their, you know, their toxic culture, but, um, so not looking at the shadow side of whatever it is you're trying to do or build, yeah. um, is really deeply problematic. Uh, if you're a leader, right? Yeah. Because whatever you're trying to offer to the world, like you're responsible for that, yeah. um, you're responsible for what happens once you, you know, put your baby out into the world. Like you need to sort of think through how this may evolve over time. Um, and I think the other thing we see too often, and it, it honestly breaks my heart because to me, it's sort of a simple one, um, is that there's a lot of really toxic leaders in tech because they just haven't done their own work. Yeah. Right? They've just never had, they've never taken the time to sort of reflect and look inside to, you know, heal their own un, un, I guess unresolved trauma to, to, to sort of do that work. And that translates into how they lead and ultimately, and I know this is, they're very much oversimplifying, but I think it's very much how we end up seeing really deeply sort of toxic cultures within um, certain tech companies. Um, it like, you know, that's a lot of where it comes from. So to me, those are the two pieces. Um, so folks who are inspirational to me are the ones who've, who've done the work, right. Who, you know, perhaps have a practice around meditation who own the fact that they need support from a whole range of community uh, of folks to, to sort of do life, right? That they need to constantly sort of check themselves, apologize often, um, and also be accountable for when their product or that technology harms people in the world or, you know, it harms their employees or whatever it may be. Um, I think so those are, those are big pieces for me.
0: And What do you think from your perspective, um, what, what, prevents that from, what, what prevents them from, from getting the help and, and making that shift to, to from what, what I'm hearing and it's something that I'm a big proponent of and I'm, I'm really trying to go out there and say it's not soft skills, it's actually human skills and we need more human skills because soft right away, it takes away, I think words um, have such power. Um, so let's not even use that. This is, these are human skills and we need these human skills. What do you think prevents um, so many, whether it's in tech or in, in, in other industries, um, from 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 getting the help?
1: Yeah, i I mean, I think at a really high level, ego is a huge piece. Um, I mean, I'm constantly my my own self. I have a little note on my on my monitor that says, "Is this your ego calling?" Right, whenever I'm broached with uh, an opportunity, I need to sort of even think through that lens of whether I say yes or no. right? Is is this for for PR, promotion? Does this help our organization? Is this in line with where we want to go, right? Yeah. Um, So I do think ego is a big piece. Um, I also think, you know, and so I'm deeply critical. I consider myself sort of to be an ever covering academic. Um, So I'm deeply critical of academic institutions, although I I certainly see the value. Um, I think, you know, we're just not learning these sort of human skills in a lot of the traditional curriculums, right? We're We're focused so much on credentials and areas of expertise, uh, but we don't teach people how to navigate death and loss and trauma. And, you know, so that means so many leaders don't know how to support an employee who, you know, is who just had a miscarriage in the workplace or someone who's transitioning their gender identity in real time or. You know, someone who has family stuck at a border Um, like they just folks don't know how to navigate those those conversations because it's just not something they've ever experienced or or given tools around.
0: Yeah, that's such a that's such a great example, because I think um, it starts from like education, right from when you're a kid. And as you start to keep work your way through, I, I mean, it is positive that I see um, for my kids, uh, six and nine year olds, that there's more talk around meditation and mindfulness and emotional intelligence and fixed mindset and growth mindset and, um, what it looks like to come from a place of service as opposed to being so me focused. I like the whole, um, from me to we, uh, with a a lot of that, so the we movement so that it kind of gets out of that, um, being so me focused, which actually when people really look at it, that when you're me focused, you're actually not going to feel as happy or fulfilled because that's not what we're here to do, right? We're wired for, for being in a bigger way and have that purpose. Um, from, from your experience and with you being a leader as well, what are some of those steps, um, organizations can, um, can take to, to create those more positive cultures, whether that's assisting the leaders, whether that's like, what would be some of the things that you know that you you're doing for yourself in your business? Um, but then also what you notice with the organizations that you work with.
1: Yeah, I think again, at, at the, at a super, super high level. Um, The biggest barrier that we find is that either folks are just, there's just no openness, right? They're entirely shut off to conversations relating to diversity, equity, inclusion, or whatever language that they're sort of using. Um, But more often than not, I find that it's because they're feeling defensive, they're feeling uncomfortable, they're feeling overwhelmed, or they just don't know where to start. Like it just feels like this big mountain that they don't even know how to sort of start to navigate. Yeah. Um, so we talk a lot about, you know, this is a journey. Everyone's at a different stage on it. There, yeah. is, there is no such thing as perfect in any of this, right? Yeah. This is ultimately social justice work, and you will always harm people. You will always hurt people, right? You can never, like, there is no such thing as perfection. So it's about how you sort of work to step into it, um, own your mistakes and apologize as you go mm-hmm. Learn and just keep getting better. Like, so t- for, I think for us and our team every single day, like that's our approach. It's inevitable, you know, with the number of clients and the number of scenarios and the number of things that we're working with each day, I'm going, I always, at least once a day say not the wrong thing, but definitely not yeah. something that, you know, always lands the best way possible. Yeah. Um, we're, we're always making mistakes. And so it's how we sort of own them, um, build that sort of rapport with someone in that moment and then move forward uh, with them.
0: Yeah.
1: So, so, I mean, to me, that's just everything. And then that's in the end, ultimately how we build really deep, meaningful relationships with our clients. Um, we build a lot of trust with them. And I think we're in real time role modeling for them what we yeah. really hope for them. To yeah. To yeah.
0: Yeah. Such a great example. I mean, it really felt like you were, you were um, talking a lot about some humility there. Um, and the more that you can show up with humi- humility, um, such a great example, too, that you're modeling that to the people that you're trying to show that, right? So that the more that they're seeing you show up in that way, it's giving them permission to do the same. What are you excited about in the work you're doing and some of the positive shifts that you are noticing? Yeah,
1: um, I mean, I guess you know, everyone has, well, Maybe not everyone has one, but I think, or maybe they just don't realize. Uh, for me, my, I guess, theory of change uh, is very much that I think we're in this really interesting moment where, you know, tech companies are, some tech companies are valued at more than entire countries. And yeah. they're these wild, wild gray spaces without a lot of policy or regulation. Uh, and they're also coming up with really fascinating things that you know these tools can either sort of advance inequities like they can actually work to make them better or they can exacerbate you know a whole range of global um, inequities so for me um, that's what keeps me both terrified and excited all at the same time yeah that there's just so much possibility right now um and so for us we really want to be part of sort of shaping that um Mm -hmm sort of the most human um, and equitable way possible so I'm really excited that when I look back to five years ago when we couldn't when when folks just deeply didn't understand yeah. what we anyway um, and we had to only speak through really clear and tactical examples of like you know a seatbelt it didn't work for a pregnant body caused like and, you know, yeah. some accident like like we had to break things down really really uh, simply I, I mean we still do yeah and I'm really stoked that folks are starting to get it uh, in a more sort of fundamental and wholehearted way slowly. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a slow incremental shift and it's it's fascinating when folks sort of pop up and, and sort of join this these intersections of this space now and they're like so frustrated. But to me, I'm like, this, this is a long, slow play. So yeah. you need the foresight on it.
0: Yeah. And if you could um, make some recommendations, if, if companies were gonna make some take some baby steps and specifically around supporting their leaders, what do you think they could start doing?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, we're a full service consultancy. So, I mean, we have our moonshot of what we, we always hope an organization can do, but I think really, really tiny tactical things um, that people could do. You know, have your leaders start to follow people who are unlike themselves on Twitter and on Instagram, right? Like have them go through their, you know, just open their social platforms, scan through, see who they're following. Like see, well, so often it's folks who look, feel, and think much like they do. And I think it's such a small, tiny way, but you can open up your worldview very quickly by just sort of following folks and engaging with folks who are unlike you um, and then keep going with that right engage different people within your organization who are unlike you build those different bridges and i think that sort of helps to soften even the the deepest skeptics to start to understand hey like i see that i'm better for this i wonder what this could do for my company too
0: yeah that's such a fantastic example right because it's uh, I think what happens too often is people are, you know, there's the the thoughts around be around like-minded people, and to degree, yes, you want people that have the same values, um, but the way those values are manifested in the way they show up can look very different in different genders, different cultures, different areas, different parts of the world. So the more that they can be, so what I really hear you saying is the more they can be open-minded. And start to just expose themselves to things that might be a little bit different um, and, you know and, I, and I, I used to give that advice and I still do um, when I was talking about HR leaders like HR leaders can also sometimes just be like right here in their box and I said like make go out every week and have a coffee date with a different part of person in the business to so, like really see like what's going on there what are the pain points right because it's when you're up here you don't necessarily see what's going on in the trenches And it feels like the same thing when you start looking at it globally, which is why I'm such a big proponent on traveling too, because you start to travel, you get outside of this box and start to really open up and see different ways of doing things. So that's really, really, really good advice.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Whenever I feel really stuck in some way, I, yeah, whether I just get out of the city or book a trip. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's such a great way of of sort of helping Unstick yourself for sure.
0: Yeah. So if you think about on your journey, and um, especially um, uh, you are a leader now, and so you would have some people reporting into you as a leader, um, what have been some of your big lessons?
1: Yeah. Um, I'd say I'm in this one right now. Um, um, I think I've fully, <laughs> not fully, but I think I've really started to actualize the difference between talking about the need for vulnerability and actually just fucking doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so that's, that's been a big piece, like learning how to step into the conversations that are anxiety inducing to me and to not just, you know, pull those into them of course, but certainly not to put them off um, because no one on your team is gonna be better for that. Um, Creating space every single day for folks to sort of share things that come up um, in real time. Um, I think, yeah, the vulnerability, like role modeling it for myself, I think is really a big, um, um, a few years ago, and even a year ago, I was, I thought that I needed to sort of always kind of have it together, um, and sort of to, to show Project that, yeah. Um, realistically, my relationships are deepening when I'm far more honest about you know something that's going on in my personal life, or you know, talking to them about I don't know how I feel about you know certain future things, or um, I think that's been huge. Um, and it was I had to sort of unlearn certain even masculine uh, leadership traits that I had sort of just unconsciously imported uh, for myself too.
0: Wow. So tell me more about that. What does it look like to so do you feel like you're integrating more of just the masculine and feminine or what what does what has that journey looked like for you?
1: Uh there was something about me that I felt that I needed to be quite stoic. Um and I'm not sure quite where that came from, yeah. uh, but it wasn't working for me and I realized that I was also feeling deeply lonely in myself. Um, um sort of with that mask on so um that's that's been an interesting piece and I do think that's a tense for me that feels like a very sort of masculine kind of leadership trait although I, I don't think we need to get I guess I don't like to get too essentialist about you know yeah. the, the gender components on leadership but maybe it's more I guess a toxic masculine sort of leadership trait perhaps.
0: Well, it sounds like it wasn't authentic for you. Like when you started to realize that it was like you're putting, uh, to use Brene Brene Brown's work, like you were putting up an armor and it wasn't you getting to be as authentically you.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a lonely place. So that's just not the way, (laughs) that's not the way to do it. Yeah.
0: And as you've started to do more of that and embrace the vulnerability and embrace the letting the armor down, um, what feels different?
1: Um, I just feel that it's deep in relationships it's open more space for people to say all the things as they come up um, and I think it also helps you just build it really ensures that you're never sort of seeing um, a team member as an employee or, or simply just a team member but really yeah. as, as a whole human yeah um, critical.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Because I just I believe so strongly, it's such a huge component of leadership. And the more and while people might be on this side of it, and it feels so scary, and so uncomfortable, and so not where they want to go, when they get to the other side of it, they what the gift is that they actually start to feel not only more connected to the people around them, but actually more connected to themselves, because they're showing up as who they truly are, which is what we're all we were all born to do, right, It's to be who we are, and we are very unique, Um, and instead of sometimes people are modeling who they think they should be, but it doesn't actually feel, it doesn't feel good because it's not aligned.
1: Totally, and I think, I don't know if this will make sense, but um, I do a lot of work with uh, the field of body energetics, and one of the things that we sort of talk about is how, you know, so in terms of, so your interpersonal, maybe perhaps more romantic relationships, um, you know, perhaps model to partnership that they're very much the purpose for a lot of folks is to help, you know, the other help you and the other person or other people sort of actualize and become sort of the most true version of yourself, whatever that sort of looks like. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thought in terms of how you view your 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 team, right? Because it's like the idea is in that I you know, I don't want everyone to stay with us forever. Um, I want this to be this kind of really cool learning phase for folks and you know as long as people want to stay awesome but you know that that's not this is also to help them sort of shift to whatever you know whatever their sort of higher purpose of um, yeah. their broader career but really that's their life so
0: so beautifully operating outside of the ego. <laughs> because when you're operating like that it's understanding that they're going to grow and they need to go where they need to go grow and The best leaders create other leaders, and they're on on their journey. Um, Sarah, this conversation has been so wonderful. Thank you for being so open with what you've shared uh, today. Any last thoughts you want to leave with the audience?
1: Um, You know what? I think we've seen a lot of folks, like the retention conversation is just so, well, the recruitment conversation is obviously very prevalent, uh, but also the retention piece. And yet I think folks haven't figured it out. And we've just finished a research study around this. So it's very top of mind, but yeah. I think that's an important piece that, to remember that these are humans who are with you for time on their journey. So retaining them at all costs shouldn't, also, shouldn't be the goal either, right? It's, there's, there needs to be, I guess, a delicate dance between how can we make sure this is a great experience, but that it's also, you know, we can support you to leave when it's your time. Yeah. So I, I just feel like there's just, it's sort of a black and white thing. It's like, oh, we yeah. must all our people. Well, yeah, but only for so long. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's a really good distinction because that, that is just part of their journey. They can be fully engaged and fully immersed when they're there with you. And now they're being called somewhere else. And that's great. That's, that's their time. It's not that you necessarily, you didn't do anything wrong to make them have to leave. It's just, that's what's next for them on their
1: journey. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I feel like there wasn't a lot, there hasn't been a lot of nuance around that, that part of why people also leave organizations. Yeah toxic side of why people leave all the time but there yeah. are beautiful reasons why people leave too so
0: yeah I think that's good and anytime there's too much black and white thinking it's not a good thing <laughs> thank you so much for being a guest today Sarah Ooh,
1: I appreciate it <laughs> trying to find
0: the button